What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of Total Health 2020. In this episode, we're going to be talking all about vitamin D and the different kinds of health benefits it can have. Hope you guys enjoy the episode. Thank you all so much for tuning in again to another episode of Total Health 2020. In this episode, I'm going to be talking about a few different research articles I've been reading lately, all about the different effects that vitamin D can have on various different health uh, factors in your life, but also more specifically relating to COVID and respiratory infections. And so I kind of want to start out by talking about a specific study that looked at 611 different patients. It was a cross-sectional study. And it studied specifically 235 hospitalized COVID-positive patients. So what the study was really doing was it was looking to see the association between vitamin D levels and the risk of COVID infection. And the study was based off a group in Iran, but it was mainly run by a researcher from Boston University. And the study looked at a population of, again, 235 hospitalized COVID patients. Um, the mean age of the population was... 58.7 years old, 37% of the population was above 65 years old, 66% of the population had chronic disorders, 37% of them have diabetes. And what they were looking at was really to look whether different levels of um, vitamin D in your serum can affect the mortality, morbidity of COVID-19 infection. And the way they kind of did this was stratifying the population into different groups based on their vitamin D levels. And so they stratified them based on sufficient levels, deficient or insufficient levels. And so their population specifically had around 33% of the patients having sufficient levels and about 67% of the population having deficient or insufficient levels. And the way they kind of um, measured and stratified this was um, they looked at specifically the serum concentration. So they defined 30 nanograms per milliliter as being vitamin D sufficient, less than 20 nanograms per milliliter being deficient and 20 to 29 as being insufficient and that's based on the endocrine society practice guidelines and average uh just to kind of give you a reference of what those numbers really mean in the u.s up to 40 percent of people are actually deficient in vitamin d levels and basically this means up to 40 percent of the population has levels less than 20 nanograms per milliliter up to 60 percent of the population actually has insufficient levels or less than 30 nanograms per milliliter and this tends to be worse in older individuals um, also darker skin individuals because vitamin D, um, it's produced endogenously by our body based on our diet and a myriad of other factors, but also based on the amount of um, sunlight exposure you get and things of that sort. And that's because um, vitamin D, it's a lipid-soluble vitamin, and it acts as a hormone in our body. It's a cholesterol derivative, and it's ultimately transformed to various different forms via UV radiation. And if we have more melanin in our skin, um, it can be more difficult for our body to process uh, vitamin D, as well as if we don't get enough sunlight, if we don't have a healthy diet high in vitamin D, things of that sort. And so this is definitely very important to be kind of cognizant of as we're going forward with this study. And so the study also kind of looked at survival between these patients, right? And so all the patients less than 40 years old actually survived regardless of their vitamin D levels they found. But in the group of uh, patients that were above 40 years old, 9.7% of the patients that had sufficient levels of vitamin D passed away or died from the study during the study. 20% of the patients with low levels died. 
in patients that had supraphysiologic levels or levels above 40 nanograms per deciliter, only 6% of them died. And so what this is really telling us is if you had deficient or insufficient levels, you had 20% chance of dying from COVID infection. Whereas if you had sufficient levels, roughly a 10% chance. And if you had really high levels, greater than 40 nanograms per milliliter, you only had a 6% chance of dying. So that's something that's really important and um, significant to kind of look at. And so the supraphysiologic levels had the lowest death rate. And when we look at different other various factors besides just death rate, we noticed that um, for the group that had less than 30 nanograms per milliliter, the hospitalizations didn't really change. Um, but when we look at other things like ICU admission, so in the group that had sufficient levels of vitamin D, they had a lower risk of ICU admission at 14% versus 21% for uh, patients that had an insufficient or de uh, deficient level of vitamin D. Additionally, the rate of unconsciousness from COVID-19 infection was only 1% in people who had appropriate vitamin D level versus 8% in people who had um, lower levels. The risk of hypoxia was 19% in patients who had normal vitamin D levels and 39% in patients who had low vitamin D levels. The CRP and blood lymphocyte are various lab um, findings that we can see that show the um, basically the inflammatory rate and the severity of infection, and those were also um, lower in the group that had normal vitamin D levels and higher in the group that had lower vitamin D levels. And ultimately what the study found was the relative risk reduction of vitamin D was ultimately for every four nanograms per milliliter rise in vitamin D levels, that decreased your risk of a seasonal infection by 7%. And a previous study actually showed that sufficient levels of vitamin D can give you more up to a 54% less likely risk of COVID infection. And so ultimately, I didn't want to delve too deep into this study, but I wanted to talk a little bit more about what all these numbers that I'm throwing at you kind of mean, why this is pretty significant, and um, what vitamin D really does. So the mechanism of action of vitamin D, it tends to interact with the vitamin D receptor on various different cells in your body. And one of the ways it um, helps with respiratory infections and COVID in particular is it interacts with that VDR receptor on immune cells, both in the innate and adaptive arm of your immune systems to ultimately modulate these immune responses. And one of the ways it actually modulates this is by downregulating the expression of ACE2 receptors. And so this can not only prevent the ability of COVID to actually infect us to begin with, but also can prevent some of these um, downstream effects of COVID infection by preventing cytokine storm as well as um, ultimately that spike protein attachment. In addition to this, vitamin D also stimulates catalysidin release. It modulates toll-like receptors and natural killer cell function, and it suppresses pro-inflammatory cytokines. So there's really been a lot of studies over time that look at how COVID, uh, I mean, how um, vitamin D levels actually affect our body. And the reason this is so kind of profound is because it's something that's very easily modifiable, um, whether it be spending more time in the sunlight, if you're able to do so, whether it be modifying your diet or just taking supplemental vitamin D. These are very easy things we can do to modulate many different aspects of our lives. And um, vitamin D on innate immunity is very important. It actually has direct antiviral activity on respiratory viruses by actually disrupting viral envelopes. And so that's something that's very important as well because if it can uh, affect our ability to 
fight off infection, whether it's COVID or other respiratory viruses. This is, again, something very significant to kind of look at. Another study in July actually showed a um, decreased risk of all-cause mortality in a group of patients. And so this is a very large study. It was a study of over 10,000 people in the UK over 10 years. So it was a prospective cohort study, which is a pretty powerful study. And it showed that increased vitamin D levels actually had a 17% decreased risk of all-cause mortality, a 23% decreased risk of cardiovascular disease, and an 11% decreased cancer mortality risk at higher 25-hydroxy-D vitamin concentrations. And so what the study found was a target range of roughly 45 to 60 uh, nanograms per milliliter was an important kind of intervention target for them. And again, going back to uh, the stratified examples I gave earlier, this is a pretty super physiologic level of vitamin D. Normally, we just think of above 30 nanograms per milliliter as being an appropriate amount, but having above a 45 nanograms per milliliter level has been shown to affect all-cause mortality, um, cardiovascular disease, as well as cancer risk. So that's, again, something very important to take into consideration. And because vitamin D has been around for so long, there's been a lot of studies actually looking at how vitamin D is actually able to do this. I touched on some of the ones earlier by um, its mechanism kind of interacting with the immune system, um, whether it be T cells and B cells, or the innate part of our immune systems, um, whether it's stimulating catalyst and release, um, modulating different in inflammatory cytokines. Another study actually showed that vitamin D is directly able to stabilize the microvascular endothelium. And this is important because now we know that COVID tends to have a lot of vascular complications. And um, because COVID is so able to directly kind of disrupt the vascular endothelium, lead to a pro-inflammatory state, a lot of swelling, edema, and vascular thrombotic complications. Um, the ability of vitamin D to stabilize the microvascular endothelium, as well as actually increase the endothelial production of nitric oxide, is very significant in this case, and it can be one of the purported mechanisms of the way it's able to decrease the risk of COVID infection and um, decrease the risk of mortality from COVID. And some of the studies that we already know the benefits of, of vitamin D, so we know it's probably beneficial in multiple sclerosis. There's an association of decreased vitamin D levels in patients with multiple sclerosis. We know vitamin D has a direct effect on psoriasis, and we know psoriasis is an adaptive immune response and uh, issue with the adaptive immune system. And so if we know vitamin D has all these effects on different autoimmune processes, it's very reasonable to assume that vitamin D also plays a role in the immune response to respiratory infections such as COVID, um, especially when they do have all these other um, endothelial kind of uh, propensities of infection and things of that sort. Additionally, we know um, respiratory viruses, they tend to peak in the winter, and we also know that vitamin D levels tend to fall in the winter, just because, again, there's not as much sunlight. People are not spending as much time outdoors, and this can ultimately lead to lower vitamin D levels and maybe a higher risk of infection from respiratory viruses. In addition, there was a study in New England where um, they it was a prospective cohort study in healthy adults and actually showed a twofold reduction in the patients developing an acute respiratory tract infection if their levels of vitamin D were above 38 nanograms per milliliter or higher. 
So again, all these studies are kind of pointing to the same thing as vitamin D being kind of an easy way to potentially help a large amount of patients decrease their risk of morbidity, mortality, and infection from COVID, from other respiratory infections. And like the other studies showed, ultimately just all-cause mortality. And so I kind of wanted to bring this up to you guys, just um, point out this research. If you are not really able to get outdoors as much because of quarantine and things of that sort during this time, I would really try to encourage you to just take small walks if you can. If not, that's completely reasonable. Maybe try adjusting your diet in that case. Maybe try taking supplemental vitamin D. Um, it's a very cheap, easy way to, um, I guess, potentially protect yourself. And again, it's not by any means going to work for everyone. Um, you can go to your doctor and get your vitamin D levels checked. There are side effects of having too much vitamin D, whether it be hypercalcemia, um, hypertension, things of that sort. It doesn't necessarily occur to everyone, but because it is a fat-soluble vitamin, it tends to stick with us longer than other uh, water-soluble vitamins. And so it's important to get your levels checked if you can. Um, don't overdo it by just supplementing uh, too much vitamin D. Of course, too much of anything can be bad as well. But it's just something I kind of wanted to point out um, regarding vitamin D just because it's such a ubiquitous and easy to obtain resource that if it can help anyone, I just kind of wanted to point out there um, just so it may help someone. So I hope you guys ultimately enjoyed this episode, um, learned something, and I really appreciate you guys spending time with me in this episode. Could have been doing anything, but I'm glad you decided to spend a few minutes with me, and I hope you guys have a great rest of your day and week. Thank you so much. <laughs>